How's everyone doing? Snap, that church clown. I'm a little scared. I'm afraid I'm like pull a hamstring or something if I do that. Man, Egbert, you got swag. I was like, like, snap. Yes. I don't know what happened. Egbert just, somebody laid hands on Egbert and he just, mm, that swag anointing. He's going to lay hands on me after the service. If you're feeling good, say, I feel good. You know, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to just say, hello, neighbor. (laughs) Hi, neighbor. Say, Mr. Rogers, introduce yourself to the people next to him and say, I'm glad to sit next to you today. Come on, come on, come on. You know, I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord today. Are you happy? Yeah. Man, worship was on point. The presence of God is here. There's like a large altar space. I feel like I can just do about anything. <laughs> Start doing cartwheels. Church clap. Oh. Okay, nobody was with me. That's fine. <laughs> today, I want to talk to you about how God's desire for you and I is for us to live large. The title of this message today is Live Large. Tell your neighbor, say, it's time for you to live large. (laughs) You know, growing up, you know, growing up, I was. Now, when I say large, I do not mean like your waist size. When I some of y'all laughing, some of y'all like, what is what you trying to say? What you trying to say? I ain't talk. I ain't talk. If, if you're thinking that I'm not talking to you, the person next to you. I'm talking about living large in terms of living a life of impact, living a life of day to day testimonies. You know, we just started something here in New Philly called my testimony at New Philly CC. My testimony at newphilly.cc. You should be writing that down. It's real easy to remember. And the reason we started it is because we believe that God wants to move in your life in such a way in which you will have day-to-day testimonies. We started it because we believe that here in this house, God is writing testimonies every single day. And that the testimonies that should be flowing out, when Pastor John Michael comes up here, you know, all right, church, I'm going to give you some praises and then we're going to pray. That's exactly what you look like. I mean, nah, he doesn't look that stiff. I'm just kidding. That he should have so many testimonies flowing in that it's hard for him to figure out which one. There should be so many testimonies because God is writing testimonies in our lives. God desires for us to live large lives. Huge. Awesome. Every single day we wake up and man, God is doing something amazing in my life today. You know, growing up, I had these dreams of living a large life. When I was five years old, 
I was in the like a recreation center in North Carolina. We called it the rec rec league. I don't know what you call it where you're from in Canada. I don't know what y'all call it, but we called it the rec league. And at five years old, I was on this team called the Spurs. And I remember I had my Jordans and I was like five foot two, you know, I was tall at age five. (laughs) And uh, I remember we played and and we won every game. We were undefeated. You know what I'm saying? I, I can ball. Okay, it wasn't all because of me. I mean, I played sometimes, but. Anyways, we won the championship. And I remember after that, I was like, I'm going to the NBA. You know, I'm going to the NBA. And plus, I was doing well in school. I was like, I'm going to become an artist. Because back then, I thought artists make like mad money. And it's like, I'm going to become an And if you're an artist, I mean, God will provide. <laughs> I wanted to become an artist. I wanted to become the first black president. I wanted to be the, a rapper. I wanted to do all this at once. I wanted to be the first NBA superstar who was also president and an artist, a renaissance man. I knew the word renaissance at age five. And I had these huge dreams. I remember we used to have, you know, I wanted to be in the NBA. So my mom, she bought us this little tykes, this little kitty goal that you could adjust, right? And so we would always try and keep it at one of the lower levels and we would have dunk contests. Like we would just jump and, you know, <laughs> hang on the rim, everything. And I was like, I'm going to be a superstar. I had these huge dreams. I remember in high school, I was like, man, I can't wait because I'm going to go in. I'm going to do political science. I'm going to do international law, work for the United Nations. I'm going to change the world. Yes. But then, you know, it's funny, like we have these huge dreams as children, but once we become adults, it changes, you know? You know, especially in the church, we have a problem with living large. You know, I just want to get by, you know, let me just get by, you know, I at least want to make some money, get out of debt, man, I need to get out of debt. I want to get... You know, let me, you know, a good living large. Let me just put up a a spiritual tweet every now and then. Let me just put up one spiritual thing on Instagram. You know, let me put up, you know, that's my Christian life. That's, that's me sharing the gospel. You know, I'm going to share something real powerful on Facebook. Enter only four likes. What? (laughs) You know, Uh, living large, you know, I want to get married. Because as a guy, I'm hoping that, you know, that girl sees my spiritual tweets and thinks I'm holier than I really am. You know, and I hope that that guy sees my my cell cuss <laughs> with the Proverbs 31 Bible verse at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Why is it always Proverbs 31, by the way? I mean, it's a great chapter, but there are other places in the bible like you see no one does a cell car and puts like song of songs like her neck will be like the tower of lebanon her teeth will be like a flock of sheep like no one puts that they always put up proverbs 31 she's crowned with straight of beauty it's like anyways i'm feeling a little i'm feeling a little good right now it's all this space 
<laughs> the house of God should be like this. We should be free in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I ain't going to get up here and be rigid. If I'm rigid, you're going to be rigid. If I'm rigid, you're going to think that that's what Christianity is supposed to look like. A rigid God telling you what you do and do not do. That's not, that's not God. You know, we, we just want to, you know, what are our dreams now? Our, our desires are just to get a good job and get married, have some kids, retire, die. Hopefully get through the pearly gates. But has it ever occurred to you that God desires for you to live a life that is large? Has it, here's a different question. Have you ever thought about the fact that God desires for you to live a life that's so large that you would have haters? You know, in Matthew chapter 5, 10 and 11, Jesus says, he says, blessed are you when people persecute you. When people persecute us, a lot of times we're like, dang it, why does everyone hate me? Why is that girl at work always talking smack about me? Jesus was like, no, if you're getting persecuted, you're blessed. You know, that word blessed in the Greek, it means happy. Jesus said, happy are you when people persecute you. That is crazy. And then Jesus, you know, he wanted to make sure we got it. So he said it again in the next verse. Happy, blessed are you when people revile you, when people criticize you, when they lie about you falsely on my accounts. I was meditating on this verse at K1 on, on Wednesday, and I was thinking about it. And I was like, God, that makes no sense at all. Blessed am I when people talk smack about me, when people lie, when people revile me and criticize me? He said, Marcus, you're blessed because you're doing something that's persecution worthy. He said, Marcus, are you doing something persecution worthy? Are you living a life that is worthy where, where you're rubbing against enough people where people actually want to lie and revile? Are you living a life of that kind of size? Because in, in cultural Christianity today, we say, live a big life, go for your dreams, but don't make anybody mad. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. But Jesus' first sermon, his biggest sermon, the most famous one, the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are you when people persecute you for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when people lie about you falsely. You're blessed. Why? Because Jesus was assuming that we would live lives that were really, really large. Jesus assumed that we would live a kind of life where we walk down the street and people would know who lives inside of us. Jesus expects not just that he expects, but he wants and desires and yearns for you to live a large life. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Don't whisper it. Say it. Amen. amen. Itaewon is supposed to be a campus filled with people who live large lives. You know, we've been going through First Corinthians, and this is the last message in that series. And it's been an entire year. It's been, it's been good. It's been a year. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks to the church in Corinth. And he, he starts out writing to them because they're a church that's meant to live large. They're a church that's meant to have influencers. 
People who are living lives that are so big that it changes the culture around them. That's God's desire. But something begins to change. So the people in Corinth, they start compromising. The church. The church in Corinth. At one point, they were, had revival all over. You know, we went over this. They had revival. But then all of a sudden, the church starts to change. And instead of the church being filled with influencers, it was filled with the influenced. Their impact began to shrink, 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 shrink. So Paul writes to them. And he writes to them in most of the most of the the book, he's dealing with their theology. You know why he's dealing with their theology? He's dealing with their theology because the way that you what you think about God, what you know about God, how you view God and how you understand Jesus characterizes the kind of life that you will live. So he talks about sexual immorality. He talks about he talks about their their spiritual gifts. He talks about their unity with one another. He deals with all these issues, but in every single one, he tries to bring it back to Jesus because the way that you view Jesus characterizes the kind of Christian walk that you have and whether you live a large life. I love what this one pastor said. He said, the Jesus, you know, is the Jesus you'll show. So he writes them and he deals with all these different areas. And then at the end, he gives them five specific exhortations. And he does this because he desires, he catches that God's heart for the church is for each and every one of us to live a large life. If you want to live a large life, tell your neighbor, say, I want to live large. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. That was just the intro. We're getting into it today. First Corinthians chapter 16. And throughout this verse, there's many different things that Paul speaks to them. He speaks to them very specific things about collecting money, his plans. And then he gives them final instructions. And I want to just look at two verses in this chapter. And it's verses 13 to 14. Are you there? Say, I'm there. I want us to read it all together. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 to 14. 1, 2, 3. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing here at Itaewon. I thank you so much for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And I thank you, God, that today is a day in which you're shaking us out of mediocrity. You're shaking us out of expectations of our lives to just live small. And God, you're awakening us to the fact that you want us to live large, impactful lives. And God, I thank you that by your grace, you're going to show us how. By your grace, you're showing us, God, how we can live a life where day after day, we experience your goodness. Day after day, we experience your faithfulness. So Lord, I pray by your spirit, may your word go out and bear much fruit in our lives. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can I get someone to bring this down here. I don't want to step back up here. I, 
I got a lot of room today, so I just stay down here. I want to go over five things. Snap, let's, let's give it up for these men right here. Come on. Both of these men are tall, handsome, and single. And strong, as you guys just saw. Praise the Lord. It's a little too close. I ain't trying to, like, spray on nobody. I want to go over five things, five exhortations that Paul gives to us in order for us to live a large life. And the first is to be watchful. Everyone say, be watchful. watchful. That word means to be attentive. To pay attention, to be aware. And I want to ask you a question with this first point. How aware are you of the presence of God in your day-to-day life? How aware are you of day-to-day divine appointments in your life? How aware are you of divine opportunities in your life each day? Do you wake up thinking, oh, today, mm, I hear the rooster I don't know if there's many roosters here in Seoul, but I hear something. I hear the Ajishi, you know, computer, <laughs> subak, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's, our, that's the Korean rooster. That's the Seoul rooster right there. Subak, computer, television. aware are you each day when you wake up about God's divine presence? Do you wake up? Are you walking through each day aware of divine moments? Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, Paul prays and he says that the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the awareness of God, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. How aware are you of God? Are you just aware of God's presence on Sunday? Or at fr- on Fridays, on Friday fire? Are you aware of God opening up doors for you each and every day? Because the first characteristic of someone who lives a large life is that they are watchful. They're constantly aware Because God wants for each day of our life to be filled with divine moments and divine opportunities every day. You know, there's two, I love that there's these two contradictions we see in scripture where there's one thing that says that this is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. And then there's another one that says where you hear the apostles say that the days are evil. I'm like, wait, did God make this day or is this day evil? It's like, huh? You know what I believe? I believe that for a person who's attentive to the presence of God, it's a day that the Lord has made. For a person who wakes up knowing and believing that this is a day in which God's going to give me a divine opportunity, it's a day that the Lord has made. But for someone who isn't, man, the days become evil. You know, I believe Satan's foremost attack against us. One of the ways Satan gets at us is just by distraction. He distracts us with the cares of life. And before you know it, it becomes days that you haven't recognized the presence of God. Not just days, but months, years even. You know what that's like? 
Monday, you're like, yeah, I can't wait. And then all of a sudden you realize it's Sunday and nothing supernatural has happened in your life all week. It's January and before you know it, it is November and you haven't had an encounter with God. You don't even know if God's moving in your life. You know, I believe that Satan wants for our lives to be like that. I believe that Satan comes in and he distracts us with the cares of life. In the parable of the sower, it talks about how seed is thrown out and that the cares of life, when the seeds begin to grow, it chokes out all the life that it bears no fruit. You know, we can become so worried about this thing I need to do and this I got to do and oh, I got to do this and oh, I need to do this and in all of these different things that we miss divine opportunities. Not just worrying about all those things, but I think specifically that we can get really good at being concerned about the cares of someone else's life. We are the Insta, Facebook, Twit, Vine, Insta video generation. Where we just get, you know, I find I can get on my phone and I can find myself there for hours and nothing's happened. I'm just watching someone else live and not living myself. I heard this interview with Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, the creator of Facebook, and they said, he said, he said, they asked him, what do you think about the newsfeed? Where do you see the newsfeed going? He said, ultimately, you know what? I think it should get to a point where what happens in your friend's life is more relevant to you than someone starving in Africa. And I heard that and I was like, wow. But there's some truth to that. Because the way that we find ourselves constantly, I'm not saying social media is bad. I ain't saying it's evil. It's, I'm not saying it's demonic. I use it. I got a page. I got a Twitter. It's at Marcus Corpening. You can follow me. <laughs> but I noticed that what can begin to happen is that we, come, we become so wrapped up in watching someone else live that we don't seize divine moments ourselves. We become so wrapped up in watching someone else have a breakthrough that we miss our own breakthrough. We become so wrapped up in following what someone else has to say that we can't hear God's voice for ourselves. And we miss divine opportunities. But see, God, he wants you to be watchful. He wants you to be attentive. He wants you to wake up each day recognizing and believing that today is a day in which God is going to give you another opportunity to experience him. You know, I don't want to watch someone. I don't like I love seeing people's lives change, but I don't want to just watch someone else experience God. I want to experience God. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to just hear about someone else praying for someone and getting healed. I want to pray for someone and experience God's power. Go through me and see someone healed. Who wants that? Come on, talk to me today. Well, I got some space. I mean, I'm in your face right now. I don't want to just hear about someone else's provision. I want to experience God's provision and be able to have the blessing of giving it away. You know, I, I'm so tired of double clicking that picture that says love, you know, on Instagram. You don't know, you, you double click it and it, it, it does a heart and that means you like it. Okay, I just taught you something new about Instagram. <laughs> See, that tells you how much I'm on it. 
sometimes I believe that heaven looks at us and says, why are you so, you're giving that so much attention, but I've sent my angels on assignment to open up this door for you. I've sent my presence here to open this up for you. You're on your Facebook on the subway looking at someone else praying for someone for healing. But the person that I've desired for you to heal is sitting right next to you. Are you watchful? The second thing. Second thing Paul says, he says, stay firm, stand firm in the faith. I believe it all flows together. Each one of these things, they all flow together because, you know, a person who recognizes God's presence in their life on a day to day basis, a person who recognizes divine opportunities in their life on a day to day basis. And it's all by God's grace. You don't make the, op- the moment happen. He opens it up. But a person who recognizes it is also a person who stands firm in faith. I've never heard someone say, you know, Man, God opened up this door for me and God gave me this divine opportunity and God's presence was in my life today. But I just don't believe. When do you hear someone say that? Never. But when you are recognizing God moving in your life, you're watchful for his presence. You're watchful for him. All of a sudden. What begins to get opened up is faith, because when you begin to recognize the presence of God, the presence of God does something to us. The presence of God recognize it shows us that we're not alone and it allows us in every situation to stand firm. In the Greek, the the word for stand firm is the word stay to everyone say stay to. You know what it means? Stay real complex to stay firm in faith. I noticed that people who live large lives, they, they're not shaken from the place of faith because when they recognize God's presence is with them, they recognize God's open up that door for them. And then that alone, that in and of itself says enough to keep them in the place of faith. David said in Psalm 16, And he's quoted again in Acts 2.25. He said, I saw the Lord always before me, meaning that he was aware. He recognized the Lord. I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. You know, how do you know that God's with you? How do you recognize his presence? How do you become aware of that and then be able to stay firm in faith? I'll give you I'll give you one good tip. It's reading and claiming, reading and believing the word of God. It's real simple. Reading and believing the word of God. You want me to tell you why? Because as you read the word of God, as you meditate and believe on the word of God, what the word of God does is it begins to teach you of God's character. You begin to read about how God was faithful to Abraham, how he was faithful to Isaac and how he was faithful to Jacob, how God was faithful to the apostles, how he was faithful to a prostitute named Rahab. How he was faithful. Through Hosea to a woman named Gomer. 
how he was continuously faithful, how God shows his character over and over. And then what begins to happen in you is you begin to recognize, oh, this is who God is. And in Romans, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I always thought that this meant that faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I would just, you know, sit with my Bible and just read the Bible out loud, you know. Thus saith the Lord. And I'm like, I'm still, I don't believe right now. What's going on? But it's just faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Two separate things. See, as you read and meditate on the word of God, it teaches you God's character. And it begins to teach you how to recognize God's voice. It begins to teach you how to hear. It begins to teach you how to become aware. And then as you become aware of God's voice, God's voice leads to his presence. You know, if we're if I'm on the other side of the room and everyone's talking and I shout out to our sister Cassandra and I say, Cassandra. Yo, girl, do you hear me? Because she's talked to me, she knows my voice, she's she's recognized she's going to be able to distinguish my voice out of all the many voices. Many of us, we can't stand firm in the faith because and because we don't know how to first recognize the voice. We don't know how to become aware but then if Cassandra, if she just follows that voice long enough, she's going to lead. It's going to lead her where? Right here. It's the same with God. If you follow his voice long enough, it leads you to his presence. And when you're in his presence, there's fullness of joy. When you're in his presence, there's no unbelief. It's hard to stand before God and be like, you are the almighty God. And I don't believe. You stand firm. The third thing. Oh, this one's my favorite right here. Act like men. Ooh. About to talk to the men right now. Mm. Now all the men got a little tense. And all the sisters are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get them, get them, get them. Mm, 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 mm. About to talk to the men. Talk to the man I like right now. Talk to him. He's got to change. Just kidding. <laughs> Act like men. You know, actually, what this, this word has two meanings to it. The first meaning is it stood for the transition from boyhood to manhood. And then the second meaning of the word was to be brave. You ever notice that the people who live large lives, they don't just recognize the divine opportunity. And they're not, not just filled with belief and faith, but they're also people who are brave who act, who step out. You know, God wants to cultivate in you a desire, not just to recognize a divine moment, but to step into it. Not just to recognize, God's like, pray for that guy. I want you to pray for him. I hear your voice, but Facebook. But to act. Because it's nothing to hear his voice and to have faith, but not act. James said, faith without works, faith without action is dead. It's completely dead. But God desires for us to be people who are filled with bravery, courage. One of my favorite movies is, uh, is Troy. You ever seen Troy with Brad Pitt and he's Achilles. And then there's the two, the two boys, uh, Hector and Paris. Orlando, Orlando Bloom. 
I was so angry at him in that movie. He's got like the curls, like the wet curls. I don't know how his, his hair stayed like that much gel in it the whole movie. But like he gets into this fight. He's so bold. And then all of a sudden he backs down at the last moment. He's got faith. He knows it's his moment to seize. But as soon as he, <laughs> and then Hector jumps up. That's exactly what he sounded like. <laughs> you know, in the spirit, a lot of us have those <laughs> moments. I want you to just say hello to that person. Uh, I want you to just pray for that person. Uh, I want you to just be kind to that person. Uh, A lot of times God just starts us off small, but we freak out like it's the biggest thing ever. You know, I want you to just open the door for that individual. Just be kind. Uh, uh, what if they look at me? <laughs> but Hector, Hector was filled with courage. I, every time I watch it, I'm like, I want to be like Hector and Achilles. I want to be as courageous as Hector, but be buff like Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> That's Brad Pitt, so gangster. You know what? You know what really God is saying in, in this where he says, act like men? He's saying simply do something. Do something. When the divine moments open up, when you start recognizing God's presence moving in your life and he's, you start noticing that he's with you, do something. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing ever. It doesn't have to be this huge, humongous thing. Just do something. Even if it's small, just do it. Because once you start, you start cultivating it, it begins to grow. I'll give you a key to, to bravery. A key to bravery is grace and truth. In John chapter 1 verse 14, it talks about Jesus being filled with grace and truth. And what many of us, where many of us fall is that we're either too filled with, we've got so much grace, but not enough truth. That's like a child, right? I said bravery, it also stands for children becoming men. You know, if you look at a child, a child has got a ton of grace. Like a child, like they will do anything. I remember when I was a little kid, I would jump off anything. I would, you just, I love playing truth or dare. But I hated getting truth. I always wanted dare. Like, tell me to do something crazy. I'll jump off a building. I don't care. Because as, you know, kids, they believe that whatever I do, I'm going to be okay. Got a lot of grace, but not much truth. You know? But then it's somehow when we get older, what begins to happen is we got tons of truth. We know what to do, but we ain't got much grace. We're afraid that if we do it, what if I fail? If I step out in this little way, what if it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen? If I do this, what, ha what, what may happen? We've got tons of truth. We know what we should do, but we don't do it because we don't understand God's empowering grace. God's grace that's always going to be there for us. But when you understand that God wants you to live in the tension, in between grace and truth. Like Jesus. Jesus walked around and he knew what to do and he also had the grace to do it. He knew why he should do it. 
But he knew that even if he did it and it didn't work out well, he was going to be all right. Where is God calling you to just take a step of faith? Where is God telling you, you know the truth, you know what he wants you to do, but are you believing in the grace to actually do it? You know, recently God's just been speaking to me about, Marcus, I just want you to take some chances. Marcus, you know what to do. You know right and wrong. My principles and precepts are established in your heart. Now I just want you to take some chances. And it scared me to death because I realized that out of fear, I've been hiding. When God wants me to just take a step of faith, recognizing that his grace is always going to be there to catch me. Some people are a little more reckless and they just they believe that God's grace is always going to be there and they don't have a clear understanding of truth. And so they'll step into all kinds of sin and do all kinds of foolish things. But God wants you to stand in the center. That's the key to bravery. That's the key to actually acting out a life of impact. And the fourth thing is to be strong. When you are recognizing the divine moment, and because you're recognizing the divine moment, faith begins to get cultivated in you. Because you're recognizing God's presence, you allow for faith to get cultivated in your heart, and then you begin to act. What starts to happen in your life is a momentum. What starts to happen in your life is that even the smallest of acts, you start accumulating them. And before you know it, You get stronger and stronger and stronger. That word, when Paul said be strong, it literally just meant to increase. Increase. You know, we look at people that live these large lives and we think they got there overnight. But it it didn't happen that way. It started out with just a small seed. A small seed, a small time, a small moment that God had just wanted them to recognize each day. And then the more they recognized and acted on these moments, momentum started to happen. I remember the first time I prayed for healing, it scared me to death. It was, and it wasn't even like I was praying for a headache, you know, someone said, can you pray for my headache? I'm like breathing harder than they are. And they're the ones in pain, you know, and I said, And they're like, you're making my headache worse. You're making it worse, you know. I just, Lord, just pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. They're looking at me like, are you okay? You know, yeah, I'm fine, you know. And then they're like, wow, the headache's gone. Thanks. What? Oh, snap. You know, next person wants me to pray for healing. I just remove that headache right now. In Jesus name, you know, you know, someone wants to pray for the knee, pray for the back. You know, I just pray for that back right now. I just rebuke it right now. And I just pray healing. After a while, God's like, listen, you're talking a little too much. You know, just say be healed. Just say healing in Jesus name. That's enough. Healing in Jesus name. Man, I feel like 
so much better. Thanks. Oh, snap. After a while, those small moments started to gain momentum. Then all of a sudden we're out on the missions field. We're, we're elsewhere. And God's calling us to pray for cancer. God's calling us to pray against, against these diseases that in my mind are so huge, so mighty that I can't pray. But because I was taking those small moments, because I was recognizing his presence, staying in the place of faith, acting as he says to act, all of a sudden momentum and strength begin to build that I could then pray from a place of faith. See, you don't know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You don't know that God has put all power, all surpassing power inside of us. But the only way you see it is if you begin to act. If you recognize, you understand the times, you recognize when God is saying, hey, I just want you to go just a little bit. You know, God didn't call Peter to walk on water out of nowhere. He had cultivated time with Peter. He had sent Peter out. He had, Peter had seen him do miracles. There was this continual cultivation that had happened in his life. So whenever it came time to walk on water, Peter was at a different place of faith. What I'm trying to say is that I ain't saying that God wants you to live large right now. I'm saying he's wanting you to live larger than you're living right now. And that's what Paul's saying. And the last thing. And this is kind of sums it all up. He says to do it all in love. Do it all in love. And it kind of sounds like first Corinthians 13, where where Paul also writes, you know, you can prophesy, you can pray in tongues, you can have faith to move mountains. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. If you don't have love, he doesn't just say it means nothing. He says you are nothing. (laughs) How do we do all these things in love? Well, it first comes from encountering the God of love. You know, I think many of us, we. What can begin to happen is that we forget about God's love. We haven't had an encounter with God's love. We haven't been touched by his love. And so. Because we haven't been touched by his love, we start to become unaware of his presence. We start to become unaware because we haven't asked and sought after God. Just give me another touch of your love. We become our hearts become hard to the presence of God. And so we we stop seeking for divine moments. We stop being watchful. You know, whenever we see someone in need, we look the other way. And then because we look the other way, what Satan does is he immediately comes with a lie that starts to cultivate unbelief. Now we're no longer firm in faith. And then because we're not firm in faith, because we're not there in that place, there's not much courage. There's just a lot of fear. Just a lot of fear that if I take this step, God's going to catch me. And instead of increasing Instead of there being a momentum, there becomes a stagnancy. You know what I'm talking about? Where your Christian walk becomes just day after day the same. It's what I talked about in the beginning. 
How Satan's biggest trick is the biggest thing he wants is for us to just live days that day after day is the same. And we don't experience God's divine power. We don't walk in divine testimonies. But ultimately, it all comes back to us needing another touch of his love. Because when you're touched by God's love in his presence, it begins to give you that grace again to recognize when he's speaking. To come to that place of faith and to step out. I want us to pray right now.